Welcome to the Free Will Science of Religion podcast. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with Tafa Ortiz, WSD time. Yeah. And Jessica Gillette. <laughs> and that was a, that, that sorry, was, that was a little down right now. Just <laughs> yeah, mind. yeah. See what see when WSD isn't feeling his usual self. He's like yeah. Instead of, yeah. yeah. I was going to say his yeah is a little uh, lackluster this time. Yeah, I know, because people who have listened to us know about WSD's usual yeah. So anyway, we have some interesting topics that we want to bring up, and they're all kind of interrelated because um, this is free will related because whatever stance someone takes politically or religiously or what anything else – is based on their whole life history, all their experiences and their conditioning, not to mention the genetic factor, which is a common a point that all of us determinists or incompatibilists make when explaining how there's no such thing as free will. And you can't blame somebody for believing or thinking differently than you because they can't help it. Um, but at the same yeah, time... Yeah, I, I say people... Sorry, go ahead, Jen. Um, yeah. What I was going to say, though, is yeah. So basically people can't help but think differently than you given that they've lived an entirely different life. Therefore, you can't blame them, but you can still have positive discussion and debate that's productive rather than hostile. Go ahead, Papa. Yeah, I was just going to say, it, I mean, people are just a product of their environments. Um, it's it's both nurture and nature. And it just comes down to the information that they've been exposed to. So um, you can have uh, a traditional, really avid hunter who um, loves and respects nature as much to the to the same degree that a pantheist would. And yet um, there's this cognitive dissonance there where um, yet they look at a deer and they can, they see it as sport or even they can respect the deer, but they still see it as food. They still see it as a food source or um, somehow they justify it in their minds. You know that that killing an animal, this could be like the mother of a of a baby doe or whatever. Um, it's okay because this is the culture that they've been raised in. They've been inculcated. And then you have another person on the other hand. Um, I wasn't raised as a hunter, but I was raised, you know, around nature, and I've spent a lot of time outdoors. And I could never, I, I could never, you know, shoot an animal. I could never even think about killing an animal, like killing an innocent animal for whatever reason, you know. Um, and growing up, I always had a problem with, with hunting. I always got upset. Same thing with like whaling, dog fights, bull fights. You know, anytime I saw anything like that as a kid, I got, I got really emotional. I got really upset. Um, so it's just, you know, we're, it's, it's just how people are raised and, um, literally like the justifications that are in their minds and stuff like that. Um, they're put there by, uh, you know, by their parents, by their, uh, the authority figures, um, because children are just uh, malleable and they're the, a, a product of their environment, it's a product of how they're raised. Yeah, and this is an important point, Poffo, because in the whole debate over veganism versus carnism, what far too often is missing is that people are hostile because they're bl basically blaming people for being conditioned and raised the way they were. Which – so many vegans, if they would just take a step back and look at their own life, they would realize that they were raised in a carnist culture. Almost everyone um, was raised in a whole meat, a dairy, egg-eating culture, and then at some point they had this, this epiphany, this weird mental connection or some type of weird spiritual experience like Monique did 
something like that, where they realized that there was something not right about it. And then they made a change well, later in life. You on know? some level, I mean, yeah, on some level, they were just exposed in just the right way to, to the information. They were exposed um, and they had a revelation. They, they made a realization in their minds and in their hearts. And that's what, what causes the shift. Um, I was going to say, you know, over in China, you know, over in the Philippines, this, this, it breaks my heart because I watch these videos. Dogs are literally gathered up, put in cages. They're, they're slaughtered for, for the festival. They're, they're, they take a blowtorch to them while they're still alive. They're hanging them up. It's, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And there's no, there's no empathy there. It's just, it's just, it's just business. And we look at it and we're like mortified. And yet you go to any factory farm and you go to any slaughterhouse and you see the exact same thing with pigs and chickens and cows. So what do you, what you have there is you've seen the memes, you know, it's like uh, different cultures, same evil, you know, and it, it just shows that like, you're like Jacques Fresco would say, um, um, you know, we are just literally uh, morality and stuff. It's not, it's not intrinsic. It's all based on environment. It's all based on um, how the child is raised, what we're exposed to, what we're actually taught is right and wrong. And of course there, there are, um, internal, you know, um, sort of, um, evolutionary, um, uh, adaptational, um, benefits to like, you know, living in small groups as social creatures, as we are as primates, you know, working together, getting along, um, you know, like altruism and stuff like that. So it's, it's both, um, you know, uh, internal and, and external, but so much of it, um, in terms of societal uh, structure and, and how we interact with each other is like environment and um, external. It's all about nurture. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point, Paul, because yeah, people can point out how morality or ethics, how from a biological standpoint it evolved because there is a survival and reproduction advantage when, when people are not, you know, torturing and killing each other, <laughs> obviously. So there's an mm -hmm. advantage biologically, but then there's also the different cultures and religions and politics that go into that are fed into young people the whole time they're growing up that shapes their morality. And one thing that's important to point out about this whole thing is that people try to say, oh yeah, well different people have different uh, ideas about morality, therefore there is no morality, which is really kind of si silly in yeah. a sense. Yeah, moral they relativism. Yeah, it's moral relativism. Um, I can't stand that. And, and, or when they get so abstract and they say that there is no good or evil, blah, blah, blah. I deal with that a lot in the pantheist circles, you know? Oh, I know. See, um, what, what's bizarre about that is we, we don't really do that with any other topic the way we do with morality. Like, it's really funny how people do this with morality, yet they don't do that with any other topic. Like, well, yeah, morality is a, it is an abstract because it is internal. It is sort of, it's a, almost a metaphysical concept. It's internal, you know, that's why it's not, it's not really, it's, it's, it comes from cause and effect and the, the consequences of our actions, but it is sort of an abstract, um, internal thing. That's, that's why it's probably, you're able to, um, uh, you just you're able to, to kind of like be so sub subjective about it. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about it is, for example, um, like another thing that would be abstract. And although I hate to use this example, I think this is a good example. Another example of something that would be subjective and different for each person would be sexuality. 
because there are all these different preferences of people being attracted to different genders or no genders at all or whatever. Um, and sure, it's different and subjective and culturally and biologically conditioned just like everything else through cause and effect. But we wouldn't go and say there is no – there's no such thing as sexuality just because right. – just because people disagree on who's the most attractive person or something stupid sure. like that. And, and so and right and so like biologically there is no there is no biological imperative for homosexual relationships it doesn't you're not um uh, reproducing you're you're not like contributing to the you know um to the species sort of it is it is purely a um uh, an internal evolutionary almost like um a more I would say it's just it's a more human aspect because it's it's not a biological imperative. It it, it it's coming from those issues of of love and security and companionship and um you know friendship and and so I, it goes back to what I've said before that you know we we're evolving in a completely different way now. You know we're doing things that um has no evolutionary benefit in terms of biologically physiologically, but but yet in a in terms of consciousness, you know everything that we do now is about the evolution of our consciousness. Does that make sense? Yeah. And see, here's the deal. is just the very fact that things do evolve or change over time, and, me, and since morality does change, means that it can improve. It can actually improve to where there's more equality between the genders, between the races, between the species. Species. Yeah. yeah. Species, and, and, I was going to say. And see, this is what's right. very important because, you know um, – like what one problem is people don't take into consideration that people have a different cultural conditioning and so then they like for example some vegans will get mad at everyone for for not just all going vegan all at once right so it goes right back to what i'm saying and this yeah. is what i wanted to address that like literally you're not okay every single Every almost every difference when it comes to uh, debates and conflicts in, um, in in societal structures and in, in, in sort of con in societal constructs in government um, with, within different schisms, different sects of religion, uh, different philosophical groups, it all comes back to this person was exposed to this bit of information and this person was exposed to a different you know um, a different set of, um, of facts. And, and they're just both coming at it, you know, from like those facts agreed in their mind with, with what they had experienced in their life. And there, there may have also been some kind of moral, moral conviction that, that sort of, um, um, that justified it and, uh, reinforced it. And then, and it also is meeting a certain need, a certain desire, you know, for example, if you're pro-life, if you're, you know, what, whatever, you know, political stance you take, it's because you're seeing certain um, deficiencies in society. You're seeing things that that you're unhappy with, and then that moral position or that that political position is addressing that need, that particular need, and it's giving a, and it's giving a specific answer to it. And then it, and you could say the same thing on the other end. So every single person is just sort of reacting and responding. They're commenting based on the information they've received and based on what their needs and desires are for that particular issue or problem. See? Yeah. Yeah, and see, here's the interesting thing about it is that 
I feel that veganism would actually be um, much more effective if communicated in a compassionate way because when we come across as blaming and hostile and and you know towards people they take they take it wrong and then they just get more rebellious and they tend to not want to listen to you of course exactly. yeah yeah pushes yeah. them the opposite way so let's so let's take this for for example okay vegans are are uh, for myself i mean we are continuously watching like animal cruelty videos we're watching what goes on in factory farms we're seeing it we're reading the information we're 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 exposing ourselves to it okay not everybody else is exposing themselves to this and so we have these intense emotional reactions we we it's a it's a social justice movement that that was what i was going to say the other, the other time channel i said veganism the technical term it's it's actually a social justice movement um and and so we, we are responding with you know, righteous indignation is what you're talking about, but it's, it's being, um, directed toward people who are just like you and me before we became vegan, who literally, we don't even, we didn't even think twice of, of where, you know, of what the animals go through in the processing, you know, before they become, you know, food for us. We, we, we don't even think about it. Like I've seen so many interviews and people are like, well, cows, they have to be milked hey, or otherwise it, it's unhealthy for them. Yeah. With me, it just it came to um I don't know if I should have thought this way, but it felt like like maybe hopefully I figured maybe they died a um a quick and painless death. But. Oh no, there's nothing quick and painless about it. I mean, it, they're electrocuted, yeah. their their throats are slit. Um, many many times they're boiled alive, you know, because the 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 stun guns don't work or or whatever it is. I mean, I'm talking about you know cows, chickens, pigs, all of them. Um, whatever it is, it, it's it's all about cost efficiency. It's all about um, doing it in the in the cheapest way possible to produce the maximum amount of product. So the ethical considerations are, are not are not considered at all. Um, yeah. I mean, we could have a we could have a personal talk with WSD since he's kind of on the on the fence about these things. If you want, or we I'm could just keep talking. I'm just in that in that area where I'm still trying to educate myself. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. right? See. That, that's the point. See, WSD, if you watched Earthlings and you watched Cowspiracy and you watched Forks Over Knives and you and you got to know and you got to know all the people that I know and, and the thousands of, of, you know, motivated, compassionate people who are – there's such solidarity in the vegan movement. Um, and, and I'm a member of like 15 to 20 different um, Facebook groups, you know, and you expose yourself to all the information and, and whether it's dietary, you know, the, the health aspects of it, the environmental consequences – um, the environmental benefits of it. If you just expose yourself to this information within a month, you'd be thinking just like us. So it's not about like it, it's it's people coming together who are at different places, sort of in their journey, where you know um, some are just privy to more information than others. That's all it's about. And if you can recognize that, then I always say it's just about the insemination of, of knowledge of information. Yeah, that's the truth, Poffo. Because basically, what it comes down to is. I would say that veganism is the effect of the education of what all is involved here. There, there's so many things. There's the ethics about causing pain or killing, which is where I focus on. But then there's also the health part. There's also the climate change aspect and what the methane does to the planet. Absolutely. So Greenhouse gases. Yeah. So there's so many yeah. good documentaries. Carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and see, that's the thing is there's so many good documentaries, and Poffo just mentioned three of them that I've actually seen all of those. Um, and, and here's what's interesting is now um, now while veganism is not necessarily part of the platform, you might say, of the co-hosts of the Free Will Science of Religion podcast or the Impersonal Opinion podcast, I tend to think that there are certain trends that – we have a tendency towards because we're all relatively educated people, if you know what I'm saying, you know. There, there has a tendency to – we tend to be not very religious with a few exceptions. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, te we tend to care greatly about the poor, the disadvantaged. We, we care about – all sorts of things. A lot of us do care about animals, and so many of us have different solutions about how to reduce suffering to animals. Take, for example, Jamie Soden. He's been making a big uh, deal about the whole synthetic meat thing recently, right. which I think is actually a good podcast all by itself. Um, but what I'll say about that for now is that I do understand the good intentions behind it. I get the idea that basically growing a laboratory meat is is a way to feed that to the um, the, the carnivores who are too stubborn to just mm -hmm. do the obvious thing, which is a plant-based diet, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, and so I get the intention, and I, I wish that movement well, honestly. I just, I just find it rather sad that people have to go that route when there's we already have the solution available it's it's lack of education and and it's literally you can say it in one statement like eating meat is unnecessary like if you just could educate and teach people that it's completely unnecessary that we don't have to derive our proteins um from other animals then you know then you start exploring all the other options and it, it becomes like a moot point and it's like okay it's great for those who uh, are just are in transition and they 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 struggle and they have their you know their their uh, their lives are, are fast paced and whatever and, and if you could sort of produce this stuff in mass um, and and it you know it eliminates factory farming I mean that's great at the same time what is that doing I mean like we're still getting away from the greater um, the greater point and of, of education is that we should not be viewing animals as food period why do we why do human beings modern humans still look at other animals as food it that's what makes no sense so it's 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 not actually resolving the problem but i do support it um because it might help people that are in that in transition or it serves as an alternative obviously i mean there's just so much misinformation out there and people are like well you know i mean what do you eat and i can't find any vegan food and i'm like you mean your grocery store doesn't have a produce section i mean yeah like, exactly that's like, what I'm too. when they say yeah, go ahead. Have it. Sometimes it doesn't have it. When they when they when they say um, vegan, they're talking about the meat alternatives and all the um. They're talking about the sort of replacement products or the alternatives that are uh that look and taste and smell just like you know our our regular American diet. Um, but what I say is, why aren't we just focusing on what real food is? What the human body is physiologically designed. You know, to eat. I mean, physiologically, we're we're herbivores, we're frugivores, technically, and um, we're, we're opportunistic omnivores. Um, that uh, the ideal thing for a primate, if you're just looking at, at a primate, you're, you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, the closest, our closest relative. You're kind of cutting out. What's that? 
You're you kind Sorry. of now. Okay, can you hear me? Let me? Yeah, I can hear you right now. Um, but you were trying to. All say I was something. saying was that we're opportunistic. Sorry, were you trying to say something? Oh, I was just saying that you can repeat yourself, and hopefully we'll catch it. I was okay. I was just saying that we're opportunistic um, omnivores, and and like um, sort of biologically, physiologically, our closest relatives, the, the chimps and the um, uh, bonobos, are basically um, herbivores, and like they they just eat. 99% of their diet is just plant-based and occasionally eat insects. So that is actually physiologically what we're designed for our bodies. You know, our intestinal tract is long, all these different things. You know, our, our canines are there, but they're, they're really for defense. They're not, we're not built like as carnivores or omnivores at all. Um, so people just need to be educated in these things. And once they're exposed to the, to the right information, I want to say this earlier. Um, you don't have to try to be a vegan. You don't even have to like try. Uh, listen to me very carefully. Once you're exposed to the information, it, it becomes intuitive. It becomes organic. It becomes natural. Like it makes sense and the motivation is there. And I, I say this all the time. Like I, I don't try to convince people to be vegan. I just try and share information. I try to expose them to the information and then their own consciences, their own human um, morality will take over and, and that, that's how it works. I mean you just need to expose people to the information. I don't get into these debates because I'm like – you. You literally can't think the way that I think. You can't do what what I do until until you can. You follow me? Until you're yeah. actually able. That gets into the free will thing. Is that you're just not able until you have that input, that motivation, that impetus. Yeah, you know. To do that. Yeah, no, that's funny because, you know, a couple of years ago, I'll say, um, maybe back um, ten years ago, y'all wouldn't be able to um talk to me. I wouldn't be as uh, as I am now. WSD is evolving. He's evolved. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. I be, I, and I was religious. Yeah. Oh, boy. Double whammy. <laughs> exactly. Almost every one of us at some point was religious. And it's very interesting, you know, how we – because yeah. we all have our own personal stories. But what's interesting about this whole thing is, yeah, we just need to share the information, which is what I do, you know, basically – um, because once people have all the facts, my thing is that they will, once they have the information, go vegan unless they're psychopaths, <laughs> basically. Let's, let's, uh, okay, so I've been, you know, I've heard other vegans uh, being um, accused of, of being, uh, and I've been accused of being dogmatic, fanatical, extreme, um, judgmental, you know, critical, blah, 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 all these different things. Again, I'm, I'm looking at animals being strung up and slaughtered. I'm looking at people abusing animals. Okay, I'm seeing and I'm reading the facts and I, and I have all the information in front of me, for example, you know, that, that shows how a plant-based diet is, is absolutely 100 um, percent the most efficient kind of lifestyle to live in terms of, of health. And you know, with, with, with a few uh, B12 supplements, you know, I, I take a spray every other day and that, that's it. Like literally you, you can get everything you need, the calcium, proteins, um, essential amino acids, everything, um, whether it's from algae, whether it's, you know, what, whatever, however your, whatever your sources are, um, it's a complete myth. And so you're, you're literally looking at, at the arguments and you're, you're seeing where people are coming from and they're just misinformed. So, there, there's really no conversation until until they are exposed to that same information because you're coming at it from a completely different perspective. And here's the point, re really important. 
they're always just thinking about themselves. And it's not just that they're selfish people or they're self-centered. I mean, they are. But the point is, it's because they're only thinking about this is my diet. This is what I have to cut back on. This is what I have to eliminate. Um, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be this hard for me. Well, what are you even talking about? If you're thinking like that, then that has nothing to do with the real issue. Okay. The issue is it's about the animals. It's about their suffering. It's about what they're going through. It's about the earth. It's about the planet. It's about the ecosystem, the environment. It's about the billions of, of, of you know, uh, the, the waste of so much waste. It's about our, our sort of our, our, our human evolution and how we're, we're evolving morally and ethically that we shouldn't be doing this anymore. The fact that you're still struggling with all these things, I'm not saying talking to you, WST. I'm saying just to people in general. If you're struggling with these things, it's because your yeah. focus is completely wrong. Your focus is on it's on you. It's not about you. Veganism isn't about you. It's about the animals. And once yeah. you get that through your head, then you'll start to understand. And it's like, well, it's so difficult for me. Well, it's so you know. And I know you'll agree with me, Chandler. I'm, I'm like, okay, you're one organism on a planet occupied by billions, and you're concerned and you're doing something that's hurting uh, the environment and hurting the ecosystem for the other all the other species combined and yet you're talking about uh, it's my culture it's my tradition um it's too hard i just like the taste of bacon um i like the taste of bacon let me tell you something i'm a vegan i liked the taste of bacon okay i, I it was sweet and and it, like i enjoyed that okay i enjoyed meat that that has nothing has no bearing whatsoever on the fact that Let's see, now I have a connection. I, I, I make the connection and I said, this was an animal. This was a living, breathing, sentient being that, that its life was stolen from it for my sake, just for me to enjoy this taste. And so I weigh it out and I say, it's not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it. And then when I know what goes into it and I know what it's doing in my body, it, it just changes everything. Do you understand? So I can yeah, logically absolutely. sit there and say, yeah, of course it tastes good, but that's not the issue. The right. issue is – if you had a pig in front of you, if you had a chicken in front of you, if you had a sensitive, you know, beautiful calf in front of you, okay, would you would you take the knife and slit its throat? Would you would you do what what we pay other people to do, you know, every single day just for the sake of your taste? If you couldn't do it yourself, then why should you pay someone else to do it? That's the point. They're not making the the, exactly. the cognitive emotional connection. Yeah, Steve Poffel, I've actually thought about this. I actually thought, and this is an interesting suggestion that I, that I had. Like, suppose that the um, that the sale of meat was banned. Let just as a thought experiment. Let's say that people killing animals themselves and, and hunting and killing animals themselves wasn't banned but just the sale of meat was what that would do <laughs> under such a scenario is that would force people to come to the reality that if they want to eat meat they have to do the killing their themselves and most people would not be willing to actually do the killing and the cleaning Push. up of the Dirty poop work. and all that stuff that is required that they pay other people to do currently the slaughterhouses had glass walls, you know, there, there would be no, everyone would be vegetarian. I mean, who said that? Um, yeah, there, yeah. It was one of the Beatles who said that. that. I, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So I, I agree. Absolutely agree. And there's another point here. Um, uh, two points. Okay. First of all, like what it would do is, I mean, people will go into shock and they would rebel. First of all, it wouldn't stop the consumption of meat. It would make it just like prohibition. You would have this adverse effect where you make something illegal, you ban something, and then people just want to do it more, and then it will become – that's the worst thing you could possibly do is ban, is ban it because it will actually 
cause people to react the pendulum effect you know what i mean and they'll um they'll just go to the other extreme and they'll they'll crave it and they'll want it and and they'll they'll be like fixated on that on just what they can't have because you always want what you can't have you know the other thing is it would it would also put hunters in a position where people would start paying hunters paying other hunters to to buy to right procure their i understand meat for your them. point it would go <clears throat> undercover basically yeah. and which is which is yeah. interesting yeah. because while, while your point is completely valid, Poffo, I personally don't understand this whole psychology of people who are rebellious and just want to do something more yeah. because it's illegal. Because I personally am not that way, you know. Uh, let me okay. Let me let me address it in, in, for a second. But I do I do want to say, Chandler, um, but your your point was also equally valid because I know exactly what you're saying is that if people had to do the dirty work themselves, they wouldn't do it. It's because it's so convenient it's because it's it's processed and it's brought to us i mean we see it as meat we call it beef we call it pork we don't call it dead pig flesh we don't call it you know cow um you know you know a cow leg cow a uh, cow hip whatever like yeah. um it's because it's because it, it there's a disconnection there if you if you had to um you know go out and source it yourself of course everything would be absolutely different so i agree with you but it was just you know multiple points there um Okay, so what was the last thing you said? Just remind me. Yeah, I was just About. basically saying that I have a tendency to be much more law oh, yeah. and rule okay. abiding. Okay. I'm not one of those yeah. people who does something more because it's illegal. Okay, is- so there, there there is a there is a um like a strain of humanity and it's it's within humans. It's a tendency. I'm like this actually. I'm actually very rebellious and and if you tell me not to do something it makes me want to do it more. Like I actually yeah. have that tendency and I, and I, and it's, it has to do with, with, um, just like liberty and freedom. I really value my freedom. Like, um, I don't like, I don't like restrictions. I don't like being told what to do. Um, so there is this tendency within human nature, within some humans. I mean, some, some humans have sort of that, um, they're predisposed to it. Um, others it's genetic makeup. So it's, it's just different for everybody, but there is this, this trait that like, we don't want to feel restricted. Restricted. It's the it's the wild the wild animal in us, so to speak. You know. So that's that's like where it comes from. And so what what person is telling you not to do could be like really good for you to not do, but you'll rebel and go the other way. Uh, you know, just because it's it's limiting. It's restrictive to you. And, and the human nature wants to be free. It wants to explore. It wants to do what it wants to do. Yeah. That's, so that's that's, an that's where it comes point from. because yeah. See, here's the thing about it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I personally find it odd because I'm not that way, and yet I do observe that other people are that way. They want to do the very thing they're told not to do, which is very strange. I mean, be, you know, because but unfortunately, you never know which people are which way, which is why generally we should not tell people to do something or not to do it, but instead expose them. To the information about right, right. if you do this, this is what happens to the to the animals, and here's what it's doing to your body, and here's what it's doing to the planet. I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, whether we realize it or not, we're actually talking about like the exact same issue. Yeah, it was a perfect segue because we're we're saying, I like for example, I don't tell people to be vegan. I don't tell people to stop eating meat. I don't tell people to stop killing animals. I don't tell people what to do. I share information with them. I try to expose them to information. I, I, I try to educate them. That's it. And, and in that, in the process of doing that, if they're willing, they themselves will make the right proper moral decisions. 
You follow me? Yeah. So exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah I agree. I completely agreed there, Poffo, because see, this is this is the, one of the most important talks ever, because basically, yeah, if people like, here's this interesting thing: is that now, while I understand that freedom, literal freedom, is an illusion in light of no free will, and that everything is mm. cause and effect. Um, other people, they still have a sense of freedom. So if you just give them the information, give them some books or some documentaries about this stuff, they feel like by weeding through that information themselves and by doing the research, they feel the sense of freedom like and they're like get the sense that right, oh, right. I am doing this. I am making an educated choice. See that they yeah. have that mindset and I know that that works for other people, even though I know philosophically and scientifically that it's bullshit. It really yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about freedom to make choices, you know, and you can only make choices and decisions based on you know, the, the light, the light of information that you receive, you know, the amount of light you receive. Um, and I agree, like you, you keep bringing it back to the philosophical no free will. Um, yeah. I agree. But as I've always said, Chandler, it, it doesn't matter to most of the population because what I know. You just said, See, what's interesting that, about it. Yeah. What you just said is how they operate the way, yeah. they, the way so I, most people operate yeah. is how you just describe it. Exactly. And that's because I do understand that other people operate that way, even though I don't operate that way because I'm weird. Like I'm really strange guys. Like <laughs> I operate under this whole paradigm of, Oh, there is no self for all the, we're all the universe and everything that I'm doing isn't my choice, but I'm doing it and I feel all right about it <laughs> i i think i think it's just a more you know more expanded um dare i say enlightened perspective you know yeah. and, i mean i've there are there are hundreds of thousands of, of other pantheists who feel the exact same way so you're not alone um but let's see uh i don't know i, I want to give other people a chance to talk because i mean we, we could talk about this stuff forever. oh yeah that's right i mean because obviously you and i we've we've talked we have a tendency to go on but yeah we should hear more from jessica and wsd so do you guys have anything to say well like i said i'm still educating myself about um about all this and these say um, i'm still trying to question how is i'm being uh, vegan cheap it doesn't seem well then again the causes y'all talking about it i understand why but that's the first thing people are going to usually sure um, okay, um, okay so speak so about WSD. when they um, yeah so WSD um I, I and I appreciate that you know, you recognize the um what's at stake you know and and the moral re the moral reasons and ethical reasons for this um so okay is it is it cost effective I have a chart that shows like um. List you go down the list and it's like bread, meat, vegetables, you know, whatever D different, um, you know, different animals and what their uh, what the price range is and stuff like that. And it is absolutely like far more expensive to eat like a Western diet than to eat as a vegetarian or, or a vegan. Um, what we're talking about, like, I, I don't know how it, people don't understand this, but it's, it's literally fruits and vegetables. Okay. Fruits and vegetables, rice and beans, pasta, bread, potatoes, nuts, and seeds. Those are the cheapest foods that you can acquire. And it's just about preparation and, you know, cooking them, steaming them, stir frying them, putting them together. Like that, that's all it is. I, I'd have to, I'd have to kind of get, a, um, get a, gauge what your, what your normal diet is, you know, like what, what your daily 
sort of consumption is and what you consider to be food. And then we can kind of take it from there and I can show you how there are alternatives to whatever it is you're eating right now. There's a vegan alternative and whatever you're eating right now is probably not healthy for you. Absolutely not healthy for the environment. And it's probably, you know, um, attained by through pain and suffering. Okay. Let's start where I ate this week and you're going to frown upon this. um, If you want to do it, you're going to frown upon this first one. So don't judge me too much. I mean, it's always safe to assume that the the um the two hamburgers I had this week is out. Well, what? Okay, for breakfast or for lunch or dinner or what? When did uh, you lunch. eat these hamburgers? Um, lunch. Okay, was it was it a matter of convenience, like just a fast food place? No, nah, it's just like, a shopping um a supermarket where I work at. Okay, so you so you bought like patties, frozen what? No, no, pre cooked. They already cooked. I just, yeah. Uh, what else did you eat with that with a hamburger? What else did I eat with that? Um, with the hamburger and what was that? Fries? Is it just a burger or just just fries? Just yeah. fries and maybe some hmm. cookies. That's it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, okay, so you bought it. You bought it at the grocery store, but it was already pre-cooked. Yeah. Um, could you could you just buy you know some veggie burgers and then like like cook them at home or if you're out like could you purchase like a wrap or some kind of sandwich that just doesn't have meat in it i mean and you have the same well, effect see well, what I'm and well the pizza's out since she's sausage and pepperoni pizza but i did have solid but i probably shouldn't have put chicken in it <laughs> the, i yeah. mean there's ve- there's vegan pizzas there's cheese alternatives you know there's vegan pizza yeah, they don't exactly sell those um yeah, yeah, what, what, yeah. Like, what do they sell at like this store? Do they have a produce section at all, or? Yeah, it's a grocery store. It's gotta have a produce section. Yeah, I just. It's not like a Seven Eleven, right? Yeah, I never. Like, yeah, never like... really. Yeah, I never really looked at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing. Go to go to yeah, the section. Yeah, where, where there's that. where it's yeah. all green. <laughs> Yeah, and it's green and it's pretty, and your eyes are attracted to it because that's how we like, you know, evolved to, to, you know, plants evolve the colors that they have, and our eyes evolve the way they do so that we can we can spread their seeds. It was a symbiotic relationship with fruit. That's yeah. why fruit is so attractive to us and stuff. Go to the produce section and stock up on watermelon, oranges, apples, carrots, bananas, um, you know, t- potatoes, bananas. Absolutely. Um, buy all this stuff and then just start cooking it at home. I mean, you get some sea salt, get some seasoning, um, you know, some parsley, get some uh, apple yeah, cider vinegar, is, olive oil. The, the grocery store is where my job is. My job is like maybe about five miles from my house. Oh, so, I mean, man. So it's like it's like a matter of convenience. Like, yeah. you just up what's there. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's there. I'm gonna send you some videos. You know what? We could we could spend a whole episode talking about this, but I'm gonna send you some videos, WSD, and it'll 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 inform you of, of just basically how to shop. You know, like what to buy and everything, and and you know, because step by step, I mean, it'll just take too long. But all I was trying to really say was that you know there are alternatives to whatever it is you're eating. Um, flavor wise, there there are vegan um, alternatives to all of those things. Yeah. Um, and, and another and, point and, that I would like to make though is that. Almost every fruit and vegetable, with a few exceptions, can be eaten without cooking it. You know, you, I mean, people right. don't cook bananas, and I, they don't usually cook apples or oranges. You know, 
like like what I I tend to like. Let's say Cook and Marvel. What? Not Marvel. Um, Carmel. I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, you can oh, yeah, cook it, you those can, kind. You yeah. can cook those things into into certain recipes, but yeah, generally the whole foods you eat, you eat raw, and it's and it's simple and it's easy and it's completely cost effective and con- and it's convenient, but it's it's just about shifting your your focus of what food is. Yeah, here's here's a great yeah. tip. Um, if there's any nuts, if there's peanuts or cashews or almonds or anything like that, those obviously you don't have to cook. And yet they will give you some excellent energy. You know, they're a sure. great snack. Uh, they're my favorite, really. Legumes, you know, legumes, uh, any any beans, um, chickpeas. I if I'm like low on energy, I eat a can of chickpeas. I just put like um, sea salt, parsley. Uh, that's it. I just eat a whole can of chickpeas. You know? Yeah, like, like like for example, at the High V where where I work, you can get like cans of black beans for fifty cents each. It's really beans are one of the cheapest foods ever and there there are several ways to go about it now um now canned beans are a convenience over you know just beans in a bag that you have to soak and cook um but the beans in the can they're convenient because as long as you've got a can opener and then if, if you need to flavor it like i tend to put ketchup on my beans because i'm <laughs> weird that way you know but but you can use anything anything you could just add a little salt or whatever I w- yeah i wanted to make the point that uh, yeah the taste is a big thing like we don't want to in any way um you know convey the message that that you're sacrificing on taste like i'm all about flavor like i don't eat anything that tastes that tastes gross there's some vegan stuff i don't like and there's some foods i don't like but it's i only eat stuff that tastes good where this isn't about like cutting out like flavor and anything that's um you know stuff that i mean you've ever had like a like a roasted portobello like i slice up portobellos all the time and it's you can make a steak out of it it's like it's it's delicious it's juicy like we're not sacrificing um taste or flavor or any of that stuff because yeah. the flavor that you get in your food comes from the plant-based seasonings, the the herbs and, and spices that you're adding to it. Because like meat itself is not it's it's it doesn't taste good until you season it until you That's salt it. That's a very the hell good off. point, Poffo. Because yeah, meat by itself, if people put no seasoning, no flavoring at all on meat, it tastes really dull. So really take what somebody can do whatever they use to make their meat taste good they can use that on the mushrooms like you were just talking about Pafo. Worcestershire sauce oh my god it's like that's my favorite food man i like saute some spinach with garlic um like balsamic vinaigrette uh balsamic oh, yeah. vinegar and uh and then like mushrooms portobello mushrooms with um let's see uh sea salt worcestershire parsley um, a few other things, and then it's just like it's like a steak. It's juicy. It's better than like a steak because it doesn't it doesn't weigh you down. You don't feel full. You don't feel all heavy and sick afterwards. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And like it, like that's. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. What and one thing that's important is condiments are actually pretty cheap. You know, ketchup and mustard and barbecue sauce are actually very cheap. You know, considering the amount that you get, and you only need to put a little bit on on your food to flavor it as much as you need, which is really nice, you know? I I grew up eating – I mean I grew up eating – just eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and stuff. That's just my mom's Mediterranean and the way that she cooked and stuff. So I was exposed to you know all kinds of foods. So I generally tended to eat healthy anyway. Um, they always had a – you know she always had a big bowl of salad. Um, everything was like was like fresh. And I actually don't eat that, that much salad anymore, um, but – I mean, I, I like salad, but I, it's just because I eat so many vegetables 
that like I don't have that. I just eat whatever I feel like eating, honestly, like whatever my body's sort of craving. And it's it's so easy. And shopping at the grocery store, it's so easy, man. Like it's it's it saves so much time. And um, I'm not. This is like a. <laughs> Uh, like a ad campaign, like a promo oh, for I know. Well, but... this is this is us getting. This, this is what happens when I get high when I'm talking about food. Because when I talk yeah. about food, there's something about talking about food that gets me ultra excited. But and so mm-hmm. I have I, w- one more thing I wanted to say about salads before we hear from Jessica because she's hardly said anything. But what I wanted mm-hmm. to say is, you know, like for example, the produce section at my high V sells these bags of. Uh, triple washed. They're already triple washed. They're they're pre-washed and they're these bags of salads. So for like a dollar and seventy-eight cents, you can get this bag that's like a whole pound of different vegetables. Like you've got some lettuce. It's got some some cabbage. Like they have they even have like the purple cabbage, which is called red cabbage. It's got carrots. It's got all this stuff in it, and it's already washed. So it's super convenient because all I do is when I take it home, I just I just basically dump it in a bowl. So I can't dump the whole thing because it's so big that it takes up. <laughs> I have to re- refill my bowl from the bag several times, and then I'll put something on it. I'll put some ketchup on it, or my favorite is this stuff. It's called Veganase, <laughs> which is. It's did like you a, just say that? Did you say you put ketchup on your salad? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll put ketchup on my salad. But there is one thing that tastes better on salad than ketchup. Um, it's this stuff called Veganase. And yeah, it's, it's, it's basically a soy actually based... Chandler actually it's it's veg veginase actually oh yes veginase veginase yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's veginase yeah I've been saying it wrong but basically it's like a soy based salad dressing type of a thing um, because it tastes better than mayonnaise like I, my mom's tried it she loves that stuff too it's like because I used to like the taste of mayonnaise but then I completely just with that when I went vegan, but then this stuff is so What are y'all talking nice. about now? Yeah, it's called Veginase, and I and it's this most amazing a, stuff. Mayonnaise, like a mayonnaise alternative, and you can make um whatever you would add, you know, whatever you would make, whatever you would add mayonnaise to. Oh, I was thinking Miracle Whip, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's like Miracle Whip, but obviously there's no there's no eggs or um, yeah, because you know? technically that's the only thing is you know, uh, Miracle Whip and mayonnaise. It contains egg, and that's technically the only thing non-vegan about that. So as as long as somebody finds a a salad dressing or mayonnaise that doesn't have any dairy or eggs, it's technically vegan. I mean, I make I make my own. You you got some weird um, taste there, Chandler. But I, like I make my own dressing. I like I use olive oil, um, like uh, apple cider vinegar, salt and pepper, a little agave syrup on top. And that's it. And I, I always add fruit and stuff like add cranberries or dried fruit. Um, but yeah, I guess the point here is like it's convenient, like those prepackaged salads that Chandler was talking about. Um, it's like so easy and convenient. It's already washed because I actually hate preparing stuff. Like so if it's already washed and everything, it's great. Uh, I could just cook it or I could just eat it raw. And like it's all it's all packaged. It's all set up, you know, like it, it's got the shredded carrots, it's got everything in it. So but I also want to make the point that you don't just being vegan or vegetarian or whatever, it doesn't just mean that you're just eating salads. It just, it just means that it just, it means that you have literally cut out, um, all animal products. So it's, it's just, you know, the, you just have to see and understand that animals aren't food that, you know, like food is like fruits and vegetables, rice and pasta and beans and nuts and seeds. Like food is not like, you know, 
the pet chicken or, or the, the beautiful, cute little piglet that's running around or the, the incredibly sensitive, um, you know, cow that, that like has had its life cut short, you know, just for your taste, for your pleasure. So it's, it's just about like a conscious, a shift in consciousness. That's all it is, you know? Um, and it's, it's really not hard, man. It's the hardest thing is, um, is dealing with, uh, with, with the negativity with so much, you know, vegans are much more sensitive and because we're aware of what goes on, uh, every day and, and just people that thoughtlessly are shoving dead animal carcasses in their mouths and, and completely disconnected from the source of their food. So yeah. it's, it's really more shifting consciousness. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I want to hear from Jessica because she's been listening to us here, but she hasn't said very much. So what would you like to say, Jessica? I, I really liked uh, what you said in the beginning about um, politically looking at the issues um, from an unbiased perspective, not necessarily taking on um, the the opinions of the the previously stated opinions of a party, because you know they, we we are ch a changing people, and um, I think that you know it's kind of intimidating to to have so much. Um, you know, aggression associated with politics, and and if we were able to, um, you know, take more of a um, unbiased stance uh, as far as politics are concerned in general, I think that it would be easier for us to um, feel the comfort necessary to um, to get more involved, and it it takes um, it takes us all to be, you know kind of on the same page in a civil understanding fashion to, to you know, get to where we really want, um, no matter what the issue is. So I really appreciated you saying that. Um, this has been a really interesting episode because we, we've talked about veganism. And I was thinking maybe it would be nice for us to share um, a simple vegan recipe um, for the viewers uh, because it, it is an intimidating change for people to make, I've found. And, it's and just gotta be for the right reasons. It's just gotta be for the right reasons, you know. And then, uh, and then you'll understand. Then it becomes like it becomes like second nature. It really does. It really does. You, you, I, th I think that we cleanse our palate, you know, because we're addicted to to fat and sugar, and it's it's. Uh, uh, we have a sense of normalcy when it comes to to meat, you know, growing eating meat, growing up in America, and that's not that's not necessarily you know, a good thing to instill when, when it's bad for the environment and it's a horrible thing. <laughs> it's yeah, terrible. It's yeah. very sad. And for us to have a realistic viewpoint of, um, our interaction with the world and the rest of, you know, the earthlings, these beautiful creatures that, um, that we know and love, uh, I think it is good to, to kind of, uh, phase out meat and it would be a good thing for our viewers to phase out meat and, and just, Go ahead and try it. Try veganism, um, and, and try it in a way that you enjoy um, eating a, a protein-rich vegetarian diet, um, and and preferably vegan, um, because studies do show that that uh, dairy milk isn't as good for you as some of the vegetable substitutes. No, um, no way. It's terrible. It's terrible for you. And there's so, so many plant-based milks okay, too that are available. Sorry, I was just saying. There's so many plant-based milks yeah, that are right. available now too. Yeah, there's no absolutely. reason. And, 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 and why are we still why are we still breastfeeding? Why are we 
why are we eating, drinking another animal's? We're the only species that drinks another animal's uh, milk, you know, or, or it, it makes no sense. Like, like milk is for baby cows. And that you have to get that in your head that the, like cows are not just these milk producing machines that, that, you know, endlessly supply us with uh, calcium. And the calcium we get from milk is absolutely like detrimental. It actually robs the calcium from our bones. So it, the whole process, it's, it's, it's all spin. It's all propaganda, you know, by the meat and dairy industry. So you just got to educate yourself. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's an important point because, you know, there's so much money that goes into politics. There's so much money that goes into advertising that the rich industries who want to stay rich will spread misinformation. They are not opposed to lying for their own financial gain, which is why. Do you remember the fifth? So remember the fifties and they, and they had like doctor, the cigarette that doctors recommend most, you know, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> like unbelievable. Right. And we look at it now, we're like, how stupid, how ignorant, you know? And yet the society bought it, you know, that they, they, they bought into it because, uh, what an appeal to authority, you know, like you see a doctor, well, it must be healthier for you. Why? Who the hell ever came up with the idea to inhale carbon monoxide in the first place was a good thing. It makes no sense. Oh, I know. That's the, that's the thing about Wait, it. Wait, do people actually do that? What? Do Inhale what? carbon monoxide. Every time you smoke a cigarette. <laughs> no wonder I suffocate if I'm even oh, around yeah. it. Because I can't breathe if I'm if I'm. Yeah, in, no, the secondhand smoke is terrible for you. It's a carcinogen, man. It, it causes cancer. It's terrible for the respiratory system. And um, why should we have to suffer, you know, for other people's uh, stupid habits, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's completely different when the Native Americans had, you know, smoked t tobacco and the, the way that they did it. Um, I don't want to say it was healthier. Um, this isn't a naturalistic fallacy. I'm saying um, the way that it's mass produced, the way that it's done now, it just it, it's it's just a habit. It's it's addictive habit forming. You know, we can talk about that forever too. I mean, well, yeah. You know, so but what's interesting about it is I happen <clears throat> to be one of the people who is hypersensitive to cigarette smoke. And what happens is if I'm in a if I'm in a room with somebody who's smoking or even outside but I'm too close, my eyes start swelling up and turning red. I start suffocating. You know what's funny? You know what's funny with me? What? Both Go my ahead, parents Dennis. used to smoke. That sucks. Yeah, no. Like, like around you, like when you're like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, kind of, my... and like I say, I won't provide around me. I don't smoke myself because I see mm. what it is, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like numb to it. That's interesting. Yeah, like, some people it affects it, differently. I smell yeah. it. I won't like the smell. I'll go walk away from it. But if I'm in a room with it, it just won't irritate me. I just, you know. Yeah, I have, I have asthma, like so any kind of dust or, or especially smoke bothers me. Like I, I get sick because I have asthma and allergies. And um, my mom smoked when she was pregnant with me, and I was around it all the time. And yeah. we used to go to shows and stuff. And whenever I'd act at, at the haunted houses, I'd act in like the, the art, artificial. But all right, yeah. The, See, because what's bad is the negative reaction that I have <clears throat> around cigarettes me, could mean that I have some kind of asthma or allergies related to it because it, it starts affecting me instantly. And I just and I if I if I wasn't able to get out, I literally would die if I was kept in a room with somebody smoking. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's bad for you, definitely. I mean, they've advanced the laws so that you know you can't smoke near buildings now, and and smoking is now illegal um, indoors in so many places and inside um, you know restaurants and 
in businesses and stuff. But so that's, that's a trend. I mean, think about it, like how it was from 50, 50 years ago, just from 50 years ago to now you see that how much more health conscious people are and, and they're recognizing these things. So I believe, um, getting back to veganism and stuff, it's, it's just, it's a matter of just a matter of time. Like it, it that's, that's the direction we're moving. Um, and it's not going to be an easy transition, but, um, it's happening. I mean, human beings are going to evolve whether they want to or not. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to make it. We're not going to survive as a species. Oh yeah. Yeah. We need to be on the same page. And there was one other thing that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned while we're still doing this podcast is it's the whole health focused vegan versus the ethical vegan, because there's such a huge difference. And I feel like because they both use the term vegan, that is actually a problem because they are so different. Well, let's let's get this straight. Let, let's get this straight right now. Veganism is not a diet. It's not a diet. It's an it's a social ethical um, movement um, that literally uh, recognizes um, animal rights and, and sees animal exploitation as as unethical and detrimental to the environment. So the diet aspect is is just um, a natural consequence of it. It's 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 just like. Uh, you know, it's it's a manifestation of this ethical stance that you've taken, that you love and respect nature, as I would say, as a biopan. You know, I life-centered philosophy recognizes that all life is is sacred. So um, there's no, it makes no sense. So veganism is there's the natural progression from that. But if you go into it saying, oh, this is good, I'll lose weight and this will help my my skin and my complexion and um, you know, it'll, it'll keep me fit and I can do my modeling now. Well, that's completely, you know, self-centered. That's all about you. That's not, yeah. you're not thinking about the animals. You're not thinking about <clears throat> the millions who, who, are, who are butchered and, um, who are being castrated, who are being, you know, branded, who are being tortured basically at all times, you know, who are living in the battery cages and, and horrific conditions. You're not thinking about the real reason behind veganism you're just thinking this might benefit me um this might this is a good so it's not gonna it's not gonna stick if you if you can't um if, if you don't do well with it if you think that you have some kind of deficiency or something or you're feeling weak it's probably because you're not eating enough uh fruits and vegetables but like it's it's not gonna um it's not gonna be as enduring as someone who is doing it for the ethical reasons you know yeah you, you have See, to do it for the animals yeah first. i have to say honestly if somebody had tried to convert me to veganism by explain by telling me that it was healthier for me it would right. not have worked that would right. not have been sufficient motivation because sure yes it's true that a plant-based diet is better for your health than consuming meat dairy and eggs and all that um but that would not have been sufficient motivation and here's the main reason why because people will say, well, yeah, but I don't care if how long I live. I would I would rather eat this food that tastes good to me and live only mm-hmm. 50 years rather than eat differently right. and live 100 years. So the pleasure what principle, yeah, pleasure uh, principle. Pleasure principle makes it so that their taste buds will, and the and the just the cultural conditioning, the habit of it. They will not change. At least I would not have if it was just about health-based stuff. But the reason that I went vegan was for ethical concerns because when I became aware of all the killing and, and rape and and stuff that was going on, and bec- because I wasn't self-focused, because I was focused on those others 
that is- you know what you 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 just brought up so i just realized something chandler like um you just made me realize something really important i'm gonna try and articulate this i don't know i might stumble over my words but i, I just realized that like when i was a christian um one of the last books i read christian books i read was uh called why christians get sick and sort of on my spiritual journey this was one of the last things i had really um gotten to the point and it was like i was thinking very holistically about everything and, and i was it, it was it was so basic that this book and it said you know clean air clean water you know clean food um no pesticides non-gmo uh like taking care of the body you know thinking like holistically is is the way a christian should should be you should take care of the temple basically and i for a long time i was like i would just stock up on like vegetables and i'd fill up the fridge and then it would like i, I would be busy i'd be doing so everything would start rotting it wouldn't um like I wouldn't be able to cook things in time or, or eat it in time, and I kind of, you know, you get caught up in life, and then it, it, I lost that that sort of motivation where I had that mentality that, um, you know, that good health and taking care of my body was a big part of my Christianity. Now, several times over my life, I also um, had tried sort of different forms of dieting, different kinds of, um, uh, you know, trying to eat healthy and and just cut out certain things and whatever. I had never really been able to stick with any of those. I'd never really been able to consistently um, maintain like a, a good, well-balanced, healthy diet until I became vegan, until I became vegetarian first and then vegan um, because it was all about me. It was, it was like it was something I had to do. I had to think this way. I had to remember how to count calories, how to think about the fats, how to think about the cholesterol. Now it's like I just realized that it makes so much sense. This was the only thing that could have actually changed my diet because my moral and ethical convictions were so strong and my love and, and care and concern for animals and for the environment and for the planet is that's what's actually motivating me now. That's the thing that actually motivates me now and this is very important here. This is the point. Like whenever I go out to eat at a restaurant, whenever I make food or whatever it was, if I was cooking, whatever, if I didn't enjoy my food, I would get really mad. Like if I go to a restaurant or something and I didn't like it, it didn't, if it wasn't as good as I thought it would be, um, I would get frustrated and I would, I would keep buying food or I'd buy something else or I'd buy a dessert. I'd always want like my meal to be like just amazing. Okay. And since I've been vegan, I've lost that. Like even if I don't fully enjoy something, I, I, it doesn't matter. I just like, well, I can eat again elsewhere. I can eat, you know, later on, I can try this again. I, I've literally, I, I just realized something that I've like shifted so that like, it's, it's not, I'm not as self-centered when it comes to my food and my dietary choices and, you know, like what I put into my body, I'm just much more, um, it's hard to explain. I'm, I'm just much more like, um, my focus has just shifted. So it's not just about enjoying each and every meal, you know, each time it's that like, I think now about where my food is coming from. I'm much more, um, just conscious. And I'm so in, as a side effect, it makes you more health conscious. It makes you more, um, sort of empathetic and, and not as, um, you know, not as focused on, on your pleasure and your satisfaction, your gratification. It's actually, you, you recognize as a vegan that, that it, you're part of the system. You're part of a, of a whole, of a bigger picture where there's all these other forces and factors and other life forms that are involved. And as, um, sort of a regular, with a regular Western diet, even as a Christian, I had never really grok that. I, it never really stuck. So it's, it's actually, it's a great point and um, it's amazing that like it's it, it becomes a spiritual thing. I became a vegan uh, because of my pantheism. You know, it led to that. But it 
but being a vegan itself actually becomes like a a spiritual sort of mind expanding thing that helps you um, see yourself as part of the whole instead of just an individual isolated and it's all about you and your taste and your pleasure. So, oh yeah, I know exactly you what you mean, Poffo, that, that becoming less self-centered in that way because one thing that I, I've noticed and this is particularly when I was religious is that I was all focused on whether I believed the right thing so that I didn't get sent to hell. It was all about my pleasure or pain. Everything was about me. And that I, that rut faded away over you know a few years as I became focused on well what about the other people I started focusing on first I started noticing the other humans and and thinking well wait a minute there's there's billions of other people going to hell because they don't have the right religion you know and all that and so then I I first started focusing on other humans but then that eventually transferred to the non-human animals. Until I ended up seeing them all as equal to me as well. So yeah, uh, it's religion. Religion is very egocentric, man. It is so egocentric, and it is it is so uh, petty and focused on on the individual and all all this stuff. And that's that's just not the reality of it, man. That's why you know I've been pushing. How many times have I said a biocentric ethic, biocentric philosophy, a biocentric attitude towards the world? Um, even a you know even a geocentric is is healthier you know re, re, i mean sort of okay it's it's bad in a scientific sense right because we live in a heliocentric um solar system but um geocentric thinking about the earth you know instead of just egocentric thinking about yourself so there there is that big change there um yeah that, that religions are can they go as far and far as you can go into the abstract but then they're also completely petty and and self-absorbed and it makes it all about you and it makes it impossible to actually think holistically about anything because um, the, the issues they address. Yeah, yeah so and you know what's interesting about this, although it's extremely unlikely that any Christians are going to be listening to this podcast because I don't think they will be, um, I can't help but mention that this is rather contrary to what Jesus represents in Christianity because – you know, there's there's so, like an egocentric attitude will not be consistent with loving your neighbor as yourself and the whole golden rule like that. It just won't be consi consistent with, you know, you know, it, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and all that sort of stuff, because there's a lot of in there about focusing on others and loving others, you know. And an egocentric person doesn't even do religion right, and yet, ironically, religious people are more egocentric. It's it baffles me. There's so much. There's so much I could say about this. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the nature of of Christianity, especially you know, evangelical New Testament fundamentalist Christianity, um, which is a very apocalyptic, and it's all about the end times, and it's all about. When Paul would say, you know, I eat, I eat whatever is put in front of me because, I mean, they were literally thinking that, that the world was going to end, you know, in their lifetime and that all that mattered was the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so the focus was totally on the supernatural, on uh, very much so on, on ethics and morality and, and, you know, righteousness and things like that, like social behavior. Um, but at the same time, it was completely skewed so that, you know, it was all in entrenched in the in the traditions of, of Judaism and this concept of um, of an afterlife this concept of, of being um, uh, being translated and, and you know receiving a new body and that the, that the kingdom of God was going to 
come to come to earth and wipe out you know this the, all the evil there's going to be the great judgment so we're talking about a completely different focus you know and i obviously it should have the 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 good aspects you know of of kindness and compassion and empathy should have spilled over and into the area of how we treat other uh, non-human animals and it has in many in many circles actually it it, it has I've I've talked to many Christians who are vegan and they, they try to use the Bible to justify their veganism which is absurd but you know you can make the Bible say anything you want to say well yeah but um but yeah. but in general it hasn't in general it um in general New Testament Christianity Judaism you know, um, Judeo Judeo Christian um, mentality and thought is uh, we are above the animals. You know, God has put them here for our for our use to for us to use, and and uh, we're, we're you know that we have souls. They don't have souls. Um, there is this huge like distinction there, and that that's caused yeah yeah you know the earth, is, that's animal very kingdom interesting and, and and well i, I don't want to get that. too off topic you just mentioned the most interesting thing there about people saying how at like humans have souls and other animals don't which i always found extremely weird it's like based on the physical appearance of an animal you then determine whether or not – based on whether they look human or not, whether they'll experience an afterlife after they die, that's got to be the most insane thing yeah. ever. <laughs> well, uh, there, it comes from – you know, Chandler, because it comes from the fact that human beings are such highly evolved organisms that you know we have um, such uh, complex – you know, um, f forms of language. We have we have these complex societal structures. We are we are technologically advanced. We we have this manipulative power that we have. We can manipulate our environments. Um, we have more influence, you know, than any other species right now. So it, it appears that way. You know, it, it it looks like we're the chosen, you know, race. With I mean, we're the chosen species. Whatever. I mean, the Jews think they're the chosen race, but we're the chosen species. Um, you know, and uh, because we are above on a certain level, but at the same time, I mean, no other species has caused as much harm and atrocity as as human beings, and no other species is, is capable of, of the 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 sort of worldwide disasters that we can you know inflict upon um you know humans and non-human life. So it's it's like we have the, we have the greatest amount of influence, and we have the greatest um sort of destructive qualities, destructive capacity, but we also have the greatest uh, healing capacity because we have morality and ethics and and art and philosophy and, and science and all these good things that help to advance uh, human progress. Yeah. Well, I know it's weird and I understand because I was a Christian, I understand that people teach a special thing that humans are made in God's image and the other animals weren't. But yeah, there's a whole there's a whole structure to it where they actually teach that God gave humans dominion over the other animals and then of course they take that to mean that, that, that it's their right to abuse them um, so yeah I get where they're coming from but as far as what you were just talking about about you know humans having you know seem to have some abilities that extend beyond um, what other animals can do which is true um, but I view that more as a thing about technological advances, which of course most sure. of us had nothing to do with anyway. But truth is, most people are are smart enough to drive a car but not build one. They're, they can use a computer, they can point and click, you know, type on a keyboard. They can't build a computer. 
I actually right. look at it as the majority of humans do not display more intelligence than bacteria. They don't. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's 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 you know you can go either way on it. You know that uh, the animals are more instinctual. They're more efficient at the way they. I say animals. You know, we're all animals, but yeah, I say non, non non human animals. Non human animals <clears throat> are they're more instinctual. So their 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 reaction times are quicker. Um, you know, like evolutionarily speaking, uh, on a physical level, human beings are are weak and we're completely um, vulnerable to the elements. It's it's our big brains. You know, it's our technology. It's our ability to use tools that have uh, advanced us so, to such a high degree. Um, what was I going to say? But uh, of course, I, I want I got to inject some things. This is what I'm feeling compelled to do, though. That um. Of course, animals have souls. All living things have souls. Everything that's alive, you know, is its own soul. Literally, the soul is is like you know the the product of uh, of your experiences and your your um you know your your intelligence, your your innate uh, abilities. Everything kind of combined to make you the individual, the unique manifestation of Omnia that you are. And um, it's just that there is this separation. Getting back to like the veganism thing that. You can look into a dog or a cat's eyes, and you you have a bond with them, and you're you're kind of like playing with them, and you're taking care of them. You're you're um they're a part of your life, but yet you're disconnected from the pig or the cow or the chicken or the fish that that you're eating yeah. because they're not involved with you. But if you were involved with them, most decent human beings, most um, civil, you know, intelligent people, if they spend enough time on a farm, if they spend enough time around animals. Uh, they would develop the same bond, and they would see even reptiles. Man can have this this incredible, um, you know, relationship with humans that you think that the, the reptile brain doesn't have that capacity uh, for those those higher emotions, but they do. They, there's these giant monitor lizards that act like dogs, and they come running up to people and they pet them and they sleep with them, like not in a gross way, but you know what I mean. They sleep like uh, alongside them. And <laughs> I know what you meant, Pablo. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, clarify. But like yeah. they, they, uh, they, they treat their their lizards, their their reptiles, even snakes and stuff, um, as you know, family pets, and they're completely docile. And if if they're raised, you know, from an early age, they're they're not vicious. That that um uh, that predatory instinct is suppressed. So what you what you have is. What you just have is a disconnection from nature. Okay, you have a disconnection from you know the the life essence that that is imbued in all things. And once you understand and recognize that, like we're made in God's image, well, um, all of life is made in God's image because life is God. Like all of the animal kingdom is made in God's image because animals are God. Because everything is God. Because nature is God. So, you know, to, to the whatever, you know, advanced species on another planet that's another animal that's probably struggling, you know, with the same issues that we've had, they're probably thinking whatever they look like. I mean, just just pick something like they're just salamanders that have evolved to to walk upright and they can build computers now. Right. They're yeah. saying, oh, <laughs> you know, the, the great salamander in the sky, you know, uh, God, you know, we're made in God's image. We look just like God. Like it's it's that you have to. <laughs> You have to bypass. The you have to salamander in the sky. Yeah, you have to, you have to move beyond that 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 ego driven mindset that you know that you're so perfect and special and whatever. Like we are because of because of how we've the level we've advanced to. But at the same time, that that doesn't mean that my cat, the dog, the 
the shrimp, the hamster, whatever, in time, given the right circumstances, would not evolve to become the dominant species on that planet. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Is that all life, all life has this potential, this capacity uh, to grow and shift and evolve yeah. and, and eventually develop morality and ethics and, and can, can develop and evolve to the level that we have in terms of our influence on, on yeah. the planet. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better, Poffo. See, I completely agree there because we, because we all are life. Life, you know, it has that potential. Given enough time, any species could end up doing the same things that humans have done. They could have written and spoken language. It's you know, having a salamander that that ends up inventing computers and cars just like humans do. That's not a far-fetched idea. It's really not. I, I absolutely believe that like in the in the next galaxy over that that exists. Something yeah, like that exists. I do absolutely. too. <laughs> I, I seriously like think it could happen. Similarly, like I know I know this 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 is going to sound weird, but I to some people, but you'll get this Poffo, I really don't see what's wrong with a horse having wings. You know, I don't see what's wrong with that idea, and it may actually back, happen. Back to, the back to unicorns. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, see, there's absolutely no logical uh, impossibility. Let's let's say it. let's say it like this. Let's say it like this, Jim. I'm staring at your icon right now with the checkered uh, unicorn. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> let's let's say it like this, okay? Um, because of the way that horses evolved on this planet, um, as you know, quadrupeds, as you know, the the mammals that they are, in the in the Specific um, situations that led, you know, through natural selection and genetic distribution, what led to them becoming horses, um, like a similar organism, a similar animal could evolve on another planet, uh, another galaxy, another solar system, another star system um, that, you know, that that, ha that is able to, to, um, to traverse the skies uh, because of how it evolved. It wouldn't be a horse. It wouldn't be a unicorn. It would look completely different. But you know, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't think that something um, that's large like that, that maybe the atmosphere is differently different there, and um, you know, it's the gravity works differently. Like that, they're able to fly and they're able to do the, the yeah. things that they do. So, yeah. like, uh, like every, everything you could ever possibly imagine already exists on some level. Right. I mean, like, the unicorn thing or the peg Pegasus is really what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the Pegasus. Um, Pegasus flies. It's not really. Uh, in terms of physics, doesn't really make sense because if the bodies aren't designed that way, they don't really have that breastbone that a bird, you right. know, would uh, would would have to be able to. Yeah, and, and the wings but just consider this. Huge. Here's what I, my point. That's is. just the biologist in me talking, though. That's, right. That's yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, like, for example, weren't there flying dinosaurs, right? Sure. The the, ter the pterosaurs. Ter yeah, like my, my thought is that it's it's entirely possible for some sort of animal even if it's a fairly large animal with the mm -hmm. right evolved structures you could have a very large flying animal yeah the, i mean con condors are huge i mean like um and yeah that the pterosaurs uh were were like they're more like gliders though they didn't actually really like sort of flap the way the, the way birds do and yeah, they didn't have their wingspan of um small <clears> plane or something like that yeah, birds have a hollow. Their you know their bones are, are sort of hollow and they're they're lightweight and their the physiology is, is totally they're, different. They're, but they're basically the, made to be aerodynamic. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. The glide, the gliders, the, the the reptiles that glide. You know, there's certain reptiles that have um like a a wing um a wing <laughs> like a, like a wing foil that they they can fly, and then you know you have flying squirrels and stuff like that. So, but basically anything that um you could possibly think of that you can imagine, you know, it, it's possible for it to evolve um in that way. So yeah. I mean, possibilities are, are endless. But let's let's bring it back to the the, the point that life itself is. It is sacred. It is valuable because it has this penchant toward um, growth and change and you know um, adaptation. Like it, it is incredibly precious, you know. And we should treat all all living things with with love and kindness and respect. And if we cared for those pigs or those cows or those sheep or chicken or or whatever, even the the, the fish um, that are grown in hatcheries and stuff, if we were around them all the time, most decent people would not be able to slaughter them. They would, they would not be able to, to carry it out. And so we just need, you know, exposure to more undercover footage, more, more videos, more, um, information, just the insemination of, of knowledge, um, to, to spread this kind of awareness because I, and this is why I agree. I disagree with, um, urban life, you know, urban life in, in the city is just so detached from the natural environment, from, you know, how human beings, I believe, like should be living in, 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 you know, cohesion with the ecosystem in harmony with nature. Um, and it, because we're in these concrete walls and metal and steel all around us, what we've built for ourselves is just this, like a, like a prison where we don't, we don't see, we, we, we're getting the food and the, and the resources and the, um, everything's being shipped in and we just view everything as a commodity and, and it's just propelling us, you know, to continue getting further and further disconnected from our source, you know, from the earth, from nature. And what you were saying earlier about, you know, of course animals have souls. Like when you're talking about soul, you're talking about, you know, like the life essence. You're just talking about that we're all, you know, these life forms and we're all part of this. Well, yeah, that, that, but also, no, also I meant like the individual personality of that organism. That's, that's the, the soul to me is synonymous with, the individual personality, sort of their their makeup, their hereditary makeup, you know, combined with their environmental the environmental factors that make them the the unique expression of life that they are. That's yeah. What I mean oh, I get it. what you're saying. Yeah. The way the way they are, which would be their personality, which is of course yeah. by their, all their individuals. Yeah, yeah. Well, by that definition, of course, all animals have have a soul. So see, and I hope that Monique listens to this because sometimes you know she brings up the whole soul thing, and and what it comes down to is it's all a definitional thing. By the definition of soul that you're giving, Papa, of course I believe in a soul. Um, but the reason I often tell people I don't believe in a soul is because they mean it in the context of a thing that goes to heaven or hell after the yeah we're, we're not talking about a disembodied um essence a disembodied life force or spirit that that survives um you know that survives the physical death of the body that's not what we're talking about like the the, the concept of the soul came from the egyptians you know it was the, the ba there was two aspects of the soul i believe and it came from the egyptians the immortality of the soul um that concept got you know um, sort of passed on and passed on to the Jews and the Christians. And um, it's it's the, the idea of the continuation of the individual um, in some disembodied form. And I don't believe that that exists at all. I mean, there's right. no evidence. There's yeah, no and, evidence. And so but but the, that... soul, the soul exists as long as a living organism, as long as an animal is alive, the soul exists. When an animal dies, the soul ceases to be because it, without, um, without the, um, you know, the bodily functions – 
um, to that that amalgamation of 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 uh, the combination of the senses combined with the memories, like you were saying, combined with <clears throat> with with the individual thoughts, you know, of that of that particular organism and and their their genetic makeup and their um, experiential makeup. That's what makes the soul. Yeah, um, exactly. So See, I hope that that clears up Monique's confusion about this because it all comes down to a matter of definitions because. When we say that we believe or don't believe in a soul or God or whatever, it does come down to definitions. And so I, I think that's important to come at because people, they just say this stuff without saying, without thinking about it. So when somebody says – like when the Christians say that non-human animals don't have souls, what they mean is they, – they're not necessarily even saying that other animals don't have a personality. But they're saying that they're that that humans go to an afterlife and those other animals don't. That's what they. I, mean. I, I said this. I said this when I was like 16 years old. Okay, like I don't want to go to a heaven where there's no animals. My heaven is animals. Like that's that would be my heaven is all of the animals of of the kingdom of Earth, like all surrounding me and being able to communicate with them and just like rolling around and frolicking and playing and and just being in this natural sort of habitat of of. Uh, you know, of, of of a perfect symbiotic relationship with nature, that is heaven for me. I wouldn't want to go to heaven if my, say, for example, my dog wasn't there, or my one of my cats, or or you know, all the animals that I've, the hurt and sick and injured animals that I've rescued over the years. Like that, that's my idea of heaven is them all being there, yeah. you know, being with me. So it doesn't it doesn't even compute with me to think that way. And I'll, exactly. I'll debate anybody that's yeah, otherwise. Yeah, I know. Like, what yeah, exactly. I would like to see Gracie in heaven. <laughs> yeah, like think about it. Most of us, like we all have had pets that we love, you know? Oh, Jessica's had a rabbit. Jamie and David have had like their cats. And WSD, did you have a cat or? Yeah, I had a cat. Yeah, a lot of people have had dogs or cats or rabbits. You know, I had a hamster. And the thought that... There's no other animals in, in an afterlife, and we're just stuck with only a bunch of humans who are only there because they believe a certain religion. That to <laughs> me is hell. hell. Honestly, that's that to hell, me man. is hell. Like, I don't even like most people, man. Like, I know. I, I, yeah, rather, people are fucking I, pricks. I'm sorry. I'd rather, I'd, rather be, I'd rather be alone. I'd rather be in the forest. I'd rather be around animals. I'd rather be around, um, you know, these these under evolved, you know, um, primitive species. That to to me. I look at them and I, and I just see like the, you know, the reflections of, of God. I see I see God in in my cat's eyes because he's this beautiful, you know, animated little character that like how can I not you know love that? How can I not love him? And I feel the same way toward all animals, even humans. Um, it's just a lot yeah. harder, see, a lot so more difficult with humans. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's hard totally. to do with humans. It's also hard for me to do with certain insects. Because <laughs> I had a couple bad fears of insects. You know what I was? stung me. The fucking <laughs> hornets, that shit hurt it, too. I have a, I have a suggestion for you. Uh, and, and, we, oh, yeah. And, we've and, talked and, about and roaches. Oh, yeah. Bad yeah. bugs. We've, really talked we've talked about this issue before, but I have a suggestion for you. Uh, start start study, studying um, <clears throat> entomology and start studying studying insects and like look at photos and stuff of insects under a microscope and like watch documentaries like that are all about like the insect world and, and how beautiful and fascinating they, complex I know they are. how important they are to the ecosystem. No, right. no, no. Forget that's just head knowledge, man. I want you to kind of get personal 
and and really like look at the photos and like watch the documentaries and videos just just do that for just do that for a few days and like look at all the pictures of insects under a microscope and i i guarantee you your perspective will change it's all uh, about okay i got you gotta give me time yeah yeah you gotta give me time for my watch but, yeah like and and here's here's what i wanted to say is you know you guys already know uh about me that my idea of heaven is is planet of the horses basically <laughs> like like here, here, this would be awesome like let's suppose that i turn into a horse and then I, there's this planet where all these horses uh, go when they die. Um, and so that's where the horses are. And so then the challenge is you guys got to find me. So it's like playing Where's Waldo, except it's find out which horse is Chandler. Chandler, you got you to gotta make – you got to start a new podcast and just call it Unicorns. Just start, <laughs> start a new podcast, man, and just be like we're – only unicorn discussion. That's what we're going to talk about. I was, I was at the store yesterday. I was at Target. And me and my girlfriend were walking by, and we had to get a toy. We we're going to this show, and it was like a raffle for um, uh, for kids, and you you have to get a toy for like impoverished children, for the needy, and then they put your name and whatever, and you can win something. So I got like a teddy bear, and then we were looking for something else um, earlier, and we went by the, <laughs> the My Little Pony aisle, and my girlfriend was like, "Why don't you get one of those for Chandler and send it to him?" <laughs> and uh, I, I just I could I just I just kept walking. I couldn't really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get into it. But you, you got this thing with unicorns. But hey, I mean, whatever. It's uh, there are worse fetishes out there, I suppose. Oh, oh I know, so, man. But I have to say one thing now. Okay, there's two um, competing Facebook groups. There's the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and there's the Church of the Invisible Pink Unicorn. Um, and now we already know that the that the flying spaghetti monster became a legally recognized religion, and I think it was Sweden or somewhere. Um, yeah, they're doing that to yeah for to just kind of stick it to the to the theists. They're but trying I, to, I would it, love it, for that yeah. to happen with the Church of the Invisible Pink Unicorn. Like seriously, man, they they could really take that to the extreme. There's even a website. Seriously, I looked up on the internet things about the Invisible Pink Unicorn. There is a website with the unicorn scriptures. Okay, um, it, it and, and it looks it it's it's like Middle English, like the King James Bible, and it, like seriously, man, they've actually have like this Bible verses of the Invisible Pink Unicorn. It's like Tolkien's Tolkien's like Lord of the Unicorns. Yeah. Like, like universe. <laughs> I mean, seriously, whole, man. When you whole get... language invented. Yeah. I, I, Chandler, I honestly, I, I won't pretend to understand, but I mean, like, I, I don't know how to follow up with that, but I, I will say, I remember, okay, Legend was like one of my all-time favorite movies growing up, okay? And what the unicorns represented in that was light and love and purity. Um, and I remember... Um, the last unicorn was that cartoon I saw as a kid, and I just I just have fond memories of that. I saw it in the theater, and there was like this bull that that drives them all into the ocean, and it was just this magical moment. I don't want to give it away, but if you haven't seen it yet, you know, um, the last unicorn. It was an animated film, but so I, I have those um, sort of like uh, associations uh, with unicorns. But I probably, if I hadn't met you, I probably wouldn't think about unicorns like ever. Like, in, <laughs> Like, yeah, well, it, 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 I could go five years and I probably wouldn't even think about a unicorn. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like where it stands with me. But I mean, we, you know, we all have different uh, tastes and interests. I went to a, a show last night where I dressed up like a demon. I mean, I went to the to the uh, 
Krampstein show and these guys all like, you know, the, the, um, the folklore, the Austrian folklore of Krampus, it's a Christmas tradition that we always do. And I can show you some photos if you want, but like, that's like, <laughs> that's like my thing is hey, we're, we're into all hey. this mythology. Yeah. What's up? Krampus is scary. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, I love aesthetics. I mean, I love I love uh, dressing up, you know. And it was like I was one of the only ones there. I was the only one there wearing a mask. Actually, we've done like the Krampus ball, and we've done um the Krampus walk, and there was like a play. And I just love like folklore and and that just you know that whole aesthetic of uh sort of a, a different aspect of um of Christmas tradition that that's kind of coming back into popularity now. Oh, so yeah. my point is, um, you guys probably you know, have no interest in that at all. And it's probably weird and, and scary to you, but like, it's, that's me, you know, I was a makeup artist and I love horror movies. So yeah, we all have our different, yeah, yeah. we have our different fantasies our, our things that we like. <clears throat> and for example, Jamie, he really likes dragons. That's kind of his thing. We've talked about that before, you know, but you know, I, I, we, we, um, we didn't go there cause we ended up talking about the vegan thing, but I would like to do another episode where we're, we talk about, why people think and feel the way they do, you know, based on the information that they've received, the information they've been exposed to, because that's everything we've been talking about. I've kind of had it in the back of my mind. That's like what we've been talking about is we've all been exposed to different information, different experiences, and that's what determines, you know, like who we are. So um, we tie it all in. I mean, like that's, I think that that could be a whole separate um, show just in and of itself. Uh, that's just about like, the difference is because like any person like I said in the beginning, any person that um liberal, democrat, um, Christian, atheist, um, vegan, meat eater, whatever it is, like it it is absolutely predicated on the information that they've been exposed to and how their minds and how their hearts have sort of absorbed that information and like where their focus is. So you oh, could yeah. literally talk talk to any person. And you don't ever have to really disagree with them. You can just acknowledge and say, I know that you think and feel the way you do because you have certain motivations. And, you know, barring sort of like uh, the internal motivations of people that might be lying to themselves and, and, you know, defense mechanisms and things like that. Basically, if people are honest, it's just because of the information they've received. So you don't really have to disagree. You could disagree with their views, but you can you don't have to disagree with the person. You could say, I know why you think the way you think. And if I was in the exact same situation, if I had the same set of experiences, I would think exactly the same way. So yeah, exactly. I don't I don't hold it against you. Here, here, like here's a book, here's a documentary. Like let me expose you to some of the information that I've been exposed to, and then let's see where where it takes you, you know, from there. And that is the way you resolve, you know, discussions between nations and, and you avoid war and conflict. And even in relationships, like, um, whether your partner, your girlfriend, your wife, husband, whatever, um, like that's how you, uh, you find that, that commonality, you know, that that's how you behave, um, you know, in a civil, um, rational, logical way is you just recognize, uh, where the person's coming from. You put yourself in their shoes. Um, that's what it's all about. That's how you develop Standing. I mean, yeah, Poff, I couldn't have said it any better, and I can't think of a better note to end this episode on because it is time for me to get going, you know, because I need – I. this always happens. WSD, you, you feel better now? Can I, Can we get a yeah from you, a strong yeah? Oh, a little bit. It's just something, something was weighing on my head. You know what? I, I got to say something. It still I gotta is. Something. Man, I got to say something. In the very beginning, in the very beginning of the show, 
I actually wanted to talk about whatever it was that was bothering him, but we got we got away from it because when he said that, like in the very beginning, my first inclination was like, well, let's talk about what's bothering you, man. But I didn't know if it was too personal, so we could we could stick it around. It is kind of personal. Well, let's let's talk after the after we end the uh, the broadcast, and we'll, we'll talk right. about it. Because I'd rather I don't feel right just leaving you if you're bummed out about something. You got something going on, you know. It's yeah, you know, I, and you guys can talk about that even though I'll have to go to bed. So. But yeah, um, I think you just said a great thing there at the end, Poffo. You know, I mean, because because re- I just want to say, you know, realizing that people have these different experiences and their experiences have made them what they are and think the way they are. That's what the Free Will Science Religion podcast is about. It's a whole, you know that if you, focus. you you know that if you but if you if you titled it that if you explained it and described it in that way, you would reach more people instead of saying you don't have a free will. If you t- if you describe it and explain it just in a few words, like like you just did, you m- people would be much more open and receptive to it. That that's always been my point with you guys, you know. Yeah. So think see, about see that's think why about. we need people like you, uh, uh, you know, as part of our projects, Pafo, because you have a way. You know, different people have different gifts of communicating things in more effective ways, and I want to communicate this message in whichever way is the most effective that does help people's lives. You know, that's the point. So yeah, so absolutely, we're going to talk more about that in future episodes. But for now, I got to say thank you for listening to the Free Will Science Religion podcast and we've been talking about how we're conditioned to be the way we are and we talked a lot about veganism and a lot of myths that go into that and of course i had to mention horses and unicorns and all that you know but (laughs) if you were if you had had my experiences in genetics you would be into unicorns too and you can't deny that (laughs) he was abducted by unicorns at some point and fixated on it now had a (laughs) unicorn vision yeah, um, how about we'll just end the broadcast after a final yeah from WSD. Okay, I'll try. Yeah! <laughs>